Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business person, or you're thinking about becoming one, this show is just for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm a crazy entrepreneur myself, and I love helping other entrepreneurs. I've counseled lots of startups and small businesses over the past 30 years, and I've helped start or started on my own a bunch of different businesses. I wish I could tell you they've all been wonderfully successful and that I haven't seen any mistakes, but that would not be the case. I have seen a lot of mistakes and I've made plenty myself. The show really has two goals. First, to share helpful information and resources, maybe to help some of you out there not make some of those same mistakes that I've made or that I've seen. The second goal is to inspire. I found being an entrepreneur is often lonely. It's discouraging, confusing. Sometimes you just have no idea if you're on the right track or not. I found that it was inspirational and it helped me a lot to talk with other entrepreneurs and hear their story and hear how they've worked through some of the same kinds of challenges. So to help with both those goals, I have guests on the show every week who are willing to share their stories and their advice. And my guest this week is Scott Nicholson. I'm not going to give you all of his titles because he's involved with several businesses, but I'll let him talk about each of those businesses in just a minute. Scott, thanks so much for being on the show. Welcome to The Savvy Entrepreneur. Thank you, Doris. Appreciate you having me today. I appreciate you being here. Juggling all these businesses, I don't know how you do it, honestly, but first tell people just a little bit about each of the businesses and what they do and who their customers are. Yeah, so we started a journey about seven years ago with an intention of building a platform of endeavors that uh, were predominantly family focused using the talents of our family and um, our adult children. We started KO Business Solutions as a venture with my um, middle daughter, Brianna, and I as founding partners in the organization. KO Business Solutions is a consulting company with several revenue streams, if you will. We work in the recruiting space, helping organizations design and create hiring strategies and then execute on those strategies. And it can be a range of things from uh, inserting dedicated recruiters on staff for larger organizations to help support their processes, developing sourcing pipelining methodology to develop, develop candidate pools to staffing. Uh, we do staffing quite a bit in, in larger call center environments and uh, direct hire for organizations. An additional segment of our business is our contact center, where we work with our clients to help increase their customer engagement, be it on an outbound basis, delivering messaging around certain calls to action. Uh, we work with a cohort of college and university clients, as an example, in re-enrolling students who have stopped out. And so the primary mission for our team is to message to those students uh, the value of, of returning back to school, or it could be just the status of an account, as an example. And likewise, we've been brought in to help support organizations on inbound, uh, whether it's seasonal opportunities, working chat channels, answering emails, different customer contact, outsource engagement. Um, and that's the primary business model of KO Business Solutions. We started the process in April of 2016. So we just celebrated our seventh year. Wow, congrats. And, 
And that is not your only business that you work on. No, it is not. <laughs> the next endeavor, I, I'm going to go chronologically. The next endeavor is one that I invested in uh, with some partners in a firm. It's a leadership development firm down in the Indianapolis market uh, with a high focus on equipping emerging managers and executives in organizations with leadership skill sets. And that was a very intentional investment on my part. The business is very correlated to the employee life cycle that KO is involved in. And ah, we have, yes, we've definitely cross collateralized our clients, so to speak, and done joint projects or added a continuum. And uh, it's been a great organization uh, to be involved with. Um, and in that particular scenario, I've taken on more of an advisory role, helping guide the business. And our CEO really runs the day-to-day -day operations down there and does a phenomenal job. Is one of your children involved? In not that not in that one in particular. Okay. No. Um, okay. It's the one endeavor I have where <laughs> it wasn't part of that legacy platform, so to speak. Two years ago, I had an opportunity presented to me to make an investment in a franchise opportunity in junk removal, Jurassic junk removal, a close industry associate of mine for many years had Jurassic junk based in Pittsburgh as a side hustle, so to speak. In 2020, he went in full-time on that, decided to franchise it. And my son and I took that as an opportunity to become the very first franchise. We bought the rights to the Chicago market with the sole intent of being able to create multiple franchises in Chicago that we could own and operate or have a percentage stake in. We opened the doors two years ago. Our focus there is really what the model sounds like. It can be uh, removing single items, a couch, a refrigerator from a household to doing total estate cleanouts to commercial. And we've done a lot of commercial office dispositioning here over the course of the past year. It's a really interesting business model for us because we really focus on multiple revenue streams there. It's not only the act of removing the junk, but it is also resell opportunities. That's one that you have to be really judicious about. Some things there's probably, it's worth your time and other things, maybe not so much. Yeah, there's an efficiency factor in there, but our, our, whole model is built on limiting the footprint going to the landfills. Great. And so trying to really focus and redistribute product that we remove is a big part of what we try to do. But ultimately, there is an efficiency factor when we're working where some things do have to go to the landfill as well. Yeah. Well, I can relate a little bit to that. And I'm sure other people can who are listening. I downsized about three years ago. And I never realized how difficult it can be to get rid of stuff mindfully. It's not hard to get rid of stuff. You can order a dumpster and throw things away. But for people who have stuff of value and want it to find a good home or just don't want it to go to the landfill, it takes a lot yes. of work. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, too, because like lately, for some reason, I've been getting an inordinate amount of calls on pianos and piano removals. And the hard part about that is there's no place to put them. <laughs> People right. from a donation perspective, resale right. perspective, it can be ultimately very challenging. Yeah, and um, that's sad because you know that there's people out there who would love a piano. So. 100%. Talk a little bit about your personal journey. How did you become an entrepreneur and decide this is what you wanted to do? Yeah. Uh, 
It's a good question. <laughs> you know, I, I think in reflecting on that, a lot of it was by observation. By that, I mean, watching my father throughout his professional career. He, was he an entrepreneur? Well, ultimately, yes. He, for many years, was in higher education on the administrative side. He was a business manager and uh, vice president of business affairs, treasurer for several different private colleges and started an entrepreneurial, I guess, flair during that time period where at the emergence of really the need for financial assistance for people to come to school, he worked with a couple different organizations to create private lending programs when they didn't exist before. Oh, interesting. that ultimately led to him leaving the higher ed space, went to work for Shearson for a period of time, and then started his own business in that world, issuing private student loans and administering that. They sold that business. And then he just went on different journeys along the way in the telecommunication space, working as a more of a trust accounting firm for long distance transactions and things of that nature. Things I can't even explain, to be quite honest. Wow. With you. So he sounds like a pro at pivoting. He... Yes, 100%. <laughs> Were you always drawn to things entrepreneurial in your life? I guess I'm I'm just looking to figure yeah. out how you got from having a father like that to becoming a conglomerate manager of different yeah. a whole portfolio well, of businesses, not sure. just in one. So I, I think, you know, it, it kind of actually did start through him. I tell the story and I probably get the years wrong. And, you know, at, at 60 years old, things change a little bit, right? In your memory. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, tell um, me about it. Yes, I know. <laughs> But I was probably 12, 13 years old and it was my birthday and he came home and he goes, hey, guess what? I got a present for you. And I'm like, cool, this is going to be great. And he goes, I got you a job. <laughs> and oh. it was working. And you're like, eh, okay. yeah, right. Yeah. It wasn't like a new bike or anything. Oh, bummer. Um, but it was working on the grounds crew from one at the one college that he was working at at the time. From that point forward, I never didn't work. I was always working. So it, it developed that underpinning of, I just, I work is just something that it sounds bizarre to say, but I actually enjoy it. There's an energy for me that is really evolves from that. I became a salesperson right out of college. And I think what that did was really start to drive that entrepreneurial attitude because I think any entrepreneur has an underpinning of salesmanship in them. And well, they do that. if they're successful. And I, I have worked with a number of people and I've caught myself in that where selling is not something that comes very naturally at all. And it's it makes getting your business off the ground very challenging. I always joked that a great salesperson could sell a used toothbrush to somebody, meaning you could pretty much write your ticket anywhere because you can sell yourself to do a lot of different things. And it sounds like that might describe you. Yeah, I, I, I get a lot of energy through the sales process. There's no question about that. <laughs> Along the way, I was introduced to operational processes and things of that nature and became somewhat of a hybrid. And that's really helped me in approaching our business endeavors. You mean more like sales operations? Well, just operations in general, because my journey um, included a long 
period of time where I was involved in the collection industry and I, I was a minority stakeholder in the business, wasn't the majority, uh. but I went from running the sales for the organization to basically taking over and running the organization on a day in day out basis. Oh, wow. So now I start to see how you were yes. preparing to, to run multiple businesses. And, you know, even in that world, we had varied revenue streams that were distinctly different. We focused in the higher education space on federal student loans, working with all the different stakeholders that in the types of debt were uniquely different and the processes around them were very different. We were very fortunate and had a great sale event into a private equity platform. And from there, I began the journey of really trying to understand what it was I wanted to do with that next chapter. And that's how we landed on this segment of the journey. I was very fortunate during that time frame to have my kids come and work. And, you know, they started doing kind of the same thing that my father did to me, come to work, do odd jobs. And then as they grew, they took on more responsibility, worked for other people. And it was really great because I got to see each one of them in action without the direct accountability of working for me. And I was able to see their skill sets and take some assessment of that. Yeah, well, that that really was my next set of questions is about how you broach the topic with your kids. I mean, was this something that they expressed interest in or you saw their potential and encouraged them? Probably a little bit of both. You know, the storylines get a little fuzzy again, but, you know. <laughs> After they've been retold a number of times in family <laughs> lore, right? Yes, right. <laughs> you know, I, well, I explored a lot of things before we started down this path. And a lot of it was franchise-based. I looked at different business opportunities and thought, okay, maybe this was uh, a good idea. Maybe it wasn't. But the advice I received from some very close counsel of mine, both uh, our attorney and my banker said, don't stray too far from what you know. And at the same time, we were looking at different business models. My daughter, Brianna, had approached me about the concept behind KO. And it was at that time, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, let's start a family endeavor and see the path that we take. And then through that process, my son, Jake, and then my daughter, Shannon, uh, who does marketing through a firm three marketing for all of our businesses came on board at different points in time. Jake at the very beginning, Shannon a little bit later. And with each of them, they kind of raised their hand and said, you know, I would be really interested in trying something on my own. And my wife and I determined that, yeah, it was appropriate to support them in act activity if that's what they truly wanted to do. So like when we started Jurassic Junk, the things that I did with my son was he did all the market research. He really did a, a great like market analysis for us. We started the process in October and didn't sign off until February as he compiled the data. And we used that as a, an opportunity to make certain decisions on whether or not it was something that he truly would want to do. So in that case, do. he clearly wanted to do this enough to take the initiative to do the market research. I'm just saying this because I've talked to a lot of friends and colleagues and being a parent myself, 
it's one thing your kids will say, well, I'm really interested in doing that. I That sounds cool. I really want to do that. But then when it comes to what I call the rubber meeting the road and you say, okay, so have you looked into any of this? We need to do these pieces. Which piece are you going to do? And all of a sudden, nothing happens. Crickets chirp. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good test. At least it helps you define maybe some of the unknowns that anybody encounters when they start their business. And that I think that was a really helpful foundation. We started that. And, you know, I think one of the things that I identified with that business model with him is he's definitely a very hands-on type of person when it comes to really doing the work as far as the physical aspect of things. And that was an interesting business model to start with because he had to be an owner operator and out in the field and loading the truck and doing all the physical aspects of it as well. That fed to his personality. There's no question about it. Well, that's interesting that you saw that. And it sounds like that's not necessarily the case for all your children. So talk a little bit about Brianna's journey. Well, Brianna and I had the opportunity from um, an operational management perspective. We started in my in, in the collection agency outsource world, a division that worked with colleges and universities, managing inbound calls on questions regarding financial aid, their tuition billing and things of that nature. And it was a startup division for our firm and a very small group. We gave her the responsibility of managing that team with very little resource or support because it was such a small part of what we were doing at that time. And what was really extraordinary to me to watch was as that grew, in a matter of two years, we were at 30 clients. She would have 14 staff members and then have as many as 200 during peak seasons and then back down to 14. And she managed through all of that chaos. She was young. She was 24, 25 years old at the time. What prepared her for that? Is that just innate or is that through coaching from her esteemed father or... I would tell you more her mother, probably. (laughs) (laughs) She is very organized and it took that. She leaned on several key people around her and I think did something that is natural for good leaders, but not always innate with people, which is to give those people the freedom to do what they needed to do to help support the process. And that really held it all together. So the thing that we identified very quickly when we started this business is it really was hers to run from an operational perspective because she has some very unique skills in that regard, especially when it comes to people management and her ability with her team to create cohesion, create a culture where people are really engaged and working towards the common cause Mm -hmm. and the only thing I could really do is mess that up if I (laughs) inserted myself too much in that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, as you were describing that first business, it sounded very much like a high people touch business. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, with KO, that's one of the things we determined right away. The advice that I leaned into from our banker and my attorney was the human capital aspect was the area that as challenging as it was, I thought, 
we drew the most satisfaction from, from a professional perspective. And that's why we chose the journey that we chose was marshalling the resources of people to um, accomplish goals and managing people to get to those key objectives. And that really kind of became the genesis of, of how we evolved KO. You haven't talked much about Shannon, your third one. So well, maybe we'll I should let you talk a little <laughs> bit about what, how she's involved. Yeah. She joined KO a couple months after we started, really helped from the standpoint of getting processes organized for our contact center when we landed our first project to develop a, a call center uh, to support a client. Shannon really started the process for us. Well, and what she, do you mean by that? We assembled the team. She helped create the training material. She helped manage the day-to-day -day operation initially identified how we were going to pull in a workforce to meet some of the peak needs that we had. Um, we had a project where it was a six-week requirement that we have 30 to 40 people. And we had to get that together in a fairly quick order because we signed the contract in November and had to start the first week of January. So there was a lot of energy that went into that. And Shannon really helped Brianna get that particular piece up and running. And Shannon had worked I joke with her sometimes because I felt like I gave her a professional MBA without getting the degree. When we were at the agency together, I bounced her around different divisions because she was really good at going into trouble areas and helping turn those around. So she worked multiple programs for us at that company. And we used her in that regard here at KO at first, but she's also an extremely creative person. I sometimes think she missed her calling. She should have been an interior designer or an architect or something to that effect because she's really good at those types of things. And she took a flair to marketing. And through the our process, she took over the marketing of KO, the social media management, the things that we do that are very visible in the marketplace and use that as a litmus to start her own practice at three marketing, which we oh, support. Wow. She now actively manages all the brands under kind of our umbrella. So between KO, Jurassic Junk, HRD, those are all Shannon's um, companies that she actively manages the marketing for. And then she does projects for various small businesses as well. On top wow, of very cool. Scott, I'm absolutely gobsmacked at the business sense and business skills that each of your three kids showed. And you make you make it sound sort of like, oh, well, you know, they just it was amazing. They were they did this and jumped into that. It's gotta be a little more than that, though. And you've probably given it some thought, or maybe they have, but how do they get to be like that? I mean, to have three of three kids have that kind of skill set and be able to just jump into and manage things. What do you attribute that to? That's a good question. I, my first sense is similar to my explanation on my journey and the observation of my father. I would say that there probably is a bit of that um, because work is just an innate thing with us and something that, while we do create our separations and put try to put boundaries in place, it's just something that we've always done. 
even when they were in high school, they, they worked at the agency where they held other jobs and it's just how we have evolved. And I think through that process, it allowed them some ability to take inventory of what they like to do from a work perspective and where maybe there were certain limitations for them. None of them really are a salesperson. <laughs> they didn't get that DNA from me, but <laughs> um, <laughs> they have other other skills that I think that they identified that they they draw from. So I think it started from an observation and just became part of the fabric of who we are and what our own personal expectations are. You know, I, I'm just, I'm struck by the difference of, as I think through now, I mean, I guess I never really thought about it before, but how different the experience is of kids who work in the family business or work in the business that they're one or more of their parent, either their parents are involved in, then a kid like me, for example, my mom was a teacher, so I kind of understood what she did, but there wasn't much I could really help her with. And my dad had an office job and he worked long hours. And when I look back, I wish he'd been around to teach me more or let me tag along so that I could see more of the kinds of things that he did and the skills he had. So it's interesting. I don't think it's an accident that entrepreneurs often come from a family of entrepreneurs because they've just been around it. They have a chance to observe reaction and counter reaction, you know, that mm -hmm. they see that what they do in the office matters or wherever they are in the business can have an impact. And that's got to be pretty gratifying. And over time, as you say, it's like getting an MBA, hands-on MBA. Yeah. As I was listening to you describe that, because I think it is very true. I think entrepreneurs, we get entrepreneurs because you see the good, the bad, um, the reward factors that can go along with it, as well as the downtimes. And if you're willing to accept that, it's much easier having grown up in that type of world yes uh to accept it embrace it or know that you're going to run away <laughs> and well, that don't want too. anything to yeah. do with it so i definitely see how how that evolves and you know listening to you too it it, it was interesting because it, it kind of felt like my personal career took two stages one where i was out selling and i was never home and then another where i was home a great deal more and there's there was an opportunity for me to spend more time with my kids in that latter half when they were teenagers and entering their professional career where we were able to kind of work together and identify. They were able to see exactly what it was I did and choose whether or not it was a path that they wanted to go down. It's um, funny how these forks in the road in our lives have all sorts of cascading unintended consequences. Yeah, isn't it? yeah it sure is. One of the things you've talked about is how much, I think less so with Shannon, I kind of get her creative side in the marketing. And although doing the creative side of marketing and leading a project team or doing hands-on involvement with the business like your son and the junk business, those are great sort of managerial skills. But how do you know 
when and and if they're ready to take it to the next step to be able to actually run a business and then start delegating to other people? Good question. I, I think, well, first of all, it started with expressed interest. So it wasn't like, okay, are you ready? It didn't come from myself nor my wife. It came from them expressing the interest. So that was kind of step one. Okay. This is a, and then kind of the challenging questions back. <laughs> are you ready? What makes you think you're ready? What's the Hi. business model? How are we approaching this? So there is that particular component. I was confident enough because the way we've kind of divided and conquered is operational and advisory. We work side by side in each of those businesses and evolve responsibilities based upon where we are as a business. And so I take KO as an example, more and more and more of what we do is now Brianna and less of Scott. And it has been that way for a couple of years now. Jake and I tag team a great deal. I'm yeah, because the business is newer, right? Exactly. So. And we're expect so part of that is experiencing things together to understand, you know, what what are those unknowns that we didn't anticipate that we have to respond to? And there, right. were, there were plenty. With yeah. all of this, you you know, it's kind of almost like um managing a new employee in some respects. I mean, you take away the whole family aspect of it. You want people to have lots of freedom to grow and to explore different things, but you don't want to leave them without a lifeline either. Right, right. And that's, I, honestly, Doris, I feel like that's kind of more the role that I play in each of these is being that life. They have to experience things individually. And then I, I serve as that bumper. And in a lot of cases, as they're learning their business. The Jake has done a really good job on the Jurassic side of assembling a workforce in a highly undependable space that we can depend on greatly. And part of that is investing right in the right way, in the right people, and then assembling a team of part-time people that we can give enough hours to where we can depend on them in uh, great demand situations. And it's just, it's worked out really well. And our service model is a lot more efficient because of that. We're not constantly bringing in new people and training them and, and things of that nature. And that's just a really good example. And so I don't even touch the that part of the operations anymore. So what do you do when you disagree with one of your <laughs> kids about how to do something or some fundamental business decision? Uh, we argue. <laughs> 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 well, we uh it, it, it's a it's a probably a pretty common family dynamic i mean the, it, the nuances with each one of them are, are different because their personalities are very different but the the approach is kind of the same we express frustration over that subject um we give each other enough personal space to allow us each to express our own opinions on it and then we try to problem solve around it and it's not about control or who wins or, or or whatever. It's trying to understand the different viewpoints and, and how it fits into the business and the business model. The outcomes aren't always perfect, but it's like with other employees, you know, you, you ultimately are respecting 
their their perspective on whatever that particular issue is. And sometimes, you know, from my perspective, okay, let's go with it and let's see how it works. And we'll make sure because no none of it should really kill the business at the end of the day. And, you hope not. Right. Then we learn from it. Have you ever let them have too much rain at, at any time? And if so, how did how did you handle that? Actually, probably not, if I'm being totally honest. You know, I'm trying to think. I'll, I'll use KO as that kind of that example where we have a lot of inertia about our, our, our environment around here because everything we do is project-based and there's a lot of activity that goes with that. And over the last two years, we've been very intentional to draw Brianna up over that, create the structure that is responsive to those projects while she guides the course of the business. But it's been piecemeal as we've kind of turned each of those pieces over to her um, as opposed to saying, okay, here it all is, run with it, and then I'll be here as a parachute or a safety net. It's been incremental. So I can't say that I have a real example of turning over too much. Mm. Um, quite frankly, from their opinion, they'd probably say I hold on too much. <laughs> ah, interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you if there are things about being dad that have made the process of letting go easier or more difficult? Probably more difficult, quite honestly. I mean, it it's naturally what I want and they want. It's just, I think it's natural from a dad perspective to, okay, well, let me help you <laughs> as opposed yeah. to let me just turn it all over. And we try to be very intentional in that relationship dynamic between work and home or work and our personal side. But sometimes it's hard to flip that switch. And if I'm being truly transparent, I think I probably have a more difficult time with that part of it than any other aspect of how we operate. And um, I definitely work on that a lot myself personally. Yeah. Well, it's hard. It's hard to separate all the threads because part of it's the dad thing and part of it's how they're responding to the dad thing. You know, I went through a period of time, which I'm sure I know a lot of parents have where I could say something to my daughter and she'd just give me this glare and someone else would say the same thing. And she'd be like, Oh really? You know, and it just, you're just like, okay, just because I'm mom doesn't mean I'm not right sometimes, you know? (laughs) But, you know, part of it too is the fact that with age and experience comes perhaps a little more, you pause a little more maybe, or you think things through because you've been burned a few more times or you've seen other people get burned. You know, who knows? Maybe some of it's generational even. It's hard to say. I think oh, probably all of the above. I, I do feel that because I, I just know in our some of our decision-making conversations, I'll take an issue and I'll try to circle around it with just asking questions, trying to really understand as opposed to going right at it. And it confounds <laughs> them sometimes. So um, that's just my nature. And, you know, I think that is part of our generation is we do. That's how we process. So, yeah. What's been some of the best parts about being in business with your children? Oh, uh, there's a lot. Um, right. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, number one, just uh, looking at what we create together every day is really cool. 
Um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, we've gone very remote with KO, but being on calls and seeing a team of 30 plus people on the call and just knowing that that's something that, you know, Brianna's led and we've co-created together. Or yeah. when I go to the warehouse uh, for Jurassic Junk, and even when I'm there by myself, and to just walk around and look at it and look at what we, my son and I have done together. Or if I look at Shannon and, you know, we have this great event coming up that she stewarded. We're co-sponsoring um, an event with uh, another local media outlet. And, you know, the play that we're getting off it is phenomenal. And that was all Shannon bringing it to fruition. And it's just really fun to watch all that. And it's very rewarding. Well, your whole um, life is really about other than the leadership coaching business. And who knows, maybe one of your family members will get involved with that, too. <laughs> so it sounds like most of your day is co-creating with your family. It is. And that's the other aspect of it, Doris. I mean, I love... Um, well, this will tell you a little bit about my kids. My son calls me at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, and we talk for a half hour, 45 minutes about everything. Then um, Brianna will call me probably around 8 as she's starting her day. <laughs> and then Shannon doesn't talk to me until after she's had two cups of coffee. So. <laughs> <laughs> a but, woman after but, my heart. <laughs> um, but the cool part about that is that's the beginning of my day and it's with yeah. each one of them. Um, right. And How just, cool is that, right? It is. It's really cool. Yeah. So what's been the most challenging part about being in business with your kids? It's there all the time. Um, and you know, I feel like we actually do a fairly decent job of creating the separation between work and family time and just the time that we're away from work. But it's always there. It's always lurking over you, whether it's a Saturday afternoon and you're hanging out. Oh, wait a minute. I have that one question. Um, that's that's hard because you, because you don't want to infringe upon living in the moment. Um, and that's that's a hard separation sometimes to create. Well, I wonder, do you ever feel like there's, um, do you ever feel like there's a, um, uh, the, a challenge with the fact that you have such a close bond with your kids that other people in the family, extended members may almost feel left out at times? Mm -hmm. Not really. Um, no? nah, you know, the bar, our internal family is, is extremely close and my poor wife has absorbed all the complaints about me from each one of them. <laughs> um, and, you know, they have a unique bond and a unique relationship with her that doesn't revolve around this. And so it, it, it's very healthy. We intentionally went down this path because we are very close as yeah. a family. So um, I, I think it, 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 from that perspective, no, I don't, I, I really don't believe so. Scott, looking back, is there anything that you maybe would have done differently with the benefit of 2020 hindsight? Um, yeah, I think timing um, on some of the endeavors, you know, I don't want to be victim of second guessing, but I, I feel like there are days where if we would have created a little bit more space between one endeavor to the next, that probably would have been beneficial to that prior company. Ah, um, interesting. I, I, but on the same token, you know, somebody told me, I was talking about this the other day, we, we were just um, having a conversation around it. 
And you would, this, this person was absolutely right. When the opportunity presents itself and it's right. the right opportunity, you can't right. turn it away. Right. And, right. I and you can't also, control that. No, you can't. And yeah. so, you know, I make that first statement. I probably would have spaced it a little bit differently, but I would never have turned down an opportunity that made the most sense. And yeah. I feel like these did. So. Well, so maybe the answer is maybe you wouldn't have done too much differently, which no. is yeah. Mighty fine place to be at, Scott. I have to tell you, you're a very lucky man. <laughs> yeah. What what advice would you give to other people who are thinking about going into business with a family member or maybe a close friend? Yeah, so I'll approach the friend side first. You have to really trust the strength of those relationships and know the boundaries of your uh communication styles and, and things like that. And that goes for the family too, because there is going to be a lot of stress placed on those. And sometimes it's very hard to overcome <laughs> unless you have a very solid foundation to that relationship because business and money and things of that nature can do funny things to people and create a lot of distrust. Uh, I've seen it where we have uh, hired people that are close to the family or friends. And um, I just get really nervous that those relationships might go sideways and yeah. they have in the past. And you just have to know that going in and be very open about the communication around that. And so it's the same thing with the family. And, and I chose the ability to go down this path with my family, primarily because I knew the strength of our, our communication styles and our ability to be angry with each other in one moment and move on and forgive and forget the next. And, and also, it sounds like you probably had, over the time they spent working with your business, some fairly wide-ranging discussions about different kinds of business topics. I mean, I think back about a friend that I went into business with and we ended up not friends. And I think a lot of it was because the scope of what we talked about was really very different than the kinds of things that we needed to work together to make decisions about with our business. You know, we talked about our kids or we talked about our neighbors or, I mean, but that doesn't really help you necessarily in the context of an ongoing business that you're operating. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's really interesting. Even the partner um, partners that I have in uh, business HRD, we work really well together. And part of it was because we came together, we were, we were acquaintances and friends, but we came together primarily because of our unique skill sets individually. And as a result, we've had extraordinary communication in running that business. And I attribute that to the fact that one, we're not stepping over each other's skill sets. One's really yeah. good with the financial dynamics of things. I tend to be more operational and people driven and we complement each other very well in that respect. And that's kind of the same approach that we're trying to take with each of these other endeavors as well is play to those skill sets. It's just a little different when it is family. Yeah, it sure is. Or friends too, for that matter. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. tough. What are some things you would recommend people do or have in place if they're going to go into business with a family or member or friend? Yeah, I think right out of the shoot when they ponder that operating agreements that really help you 
delineate responsibilities, um, and then operational agreements that talk about decision-making processes and things that really help govern the tough times. Um, having clearly defined roles and responsibilities within the organization mm-hmm. um, as you go down that path is extremely important because the more boundaries you put around that, the less opportunity there is for the relationship part to be infringed upon. And so if you have that set up front and you have the right partner, it'll be much easier. I think those are great pieces of advice. Any general advice for entrepreneurs? You have seen a lot of businesses. You've, I'm sure, had lots of friends and family members and colleagues that run businesses. What general advice would you give for people who are starting out trying to build a business? Um, We'll start maybe more general. (laughs) Be prepared for tough, hard times. Because especially when you're starting out, it's difficult and you need to have the mindset knowing that you're going to have to really grind it out and probably prepare yourself for a year and a half of just how do I do this? Um, And and so that mindset has to be in place first, um, making sure that you have the financial wherewithal to be able to support that part of the process. Um, I don't and, think, and you, that your significant other or spouse well, is um, yes. <laughs> totally on board with that too, because um, that's that 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 the impact flows downhill from there. Oh, it absolutely does. If you don't have that support, I mean, that's something that you bring home with you twenty four seven. Um, and every 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 stakeholder has to be prepared for that. Um, I, I think the other aspect of it is. No matter what um, skill set you're bringing to that endeavor, you can never invest enough in sales. If you're investing in sales the right way, that's what's going to propel your business forward. Because without that right engine, um, it's going to be very difficult to sustain success over time. And I'm a, I absolutely believe in that. Yeah. Great. Great advice, Scott. Well, one last question before I let you go. How can people reach you if they're interested in learning more about one of your businesses or maybe just some entrepreneurial insights or tips on how to structure things with family members or friends? Uh, Or maybe they want to learn more about one of the businesses that you mentioned. What's the best way to get in touch or to learn more about those businesses? Sure. I'll give a couple different ways. One, connect with me on LinkedIn. And I'm happy happy to connect and engage and, and create different contact streams from there. Um, my office number is 630-230-6766. And that's a general number that I use for all the businesses um, for me for me personally. Um, and that's another way to reach out to me. And I'm happy to have conversations. Um, you can text to that number and um, I can also respond and we can uh, exchange emails and things of that nature. Yeah. And what about websites for uh, sure. in case they're interested in learning more about one of those? 
So KO Business Solutions is www.k-obusiness.com. Jurassic Junk is jurassicjunkcl.com. 3Marketing is thr33.com. I like it. Yeah, that's pretty creative. That's that's her. That's that's creativity. Uh, that's your creative one. <laughs> yes. And HRD is hrdadvisory.com. Great. Scott, thanks so much for being with me this week and for sharing some of your insights about doing business with family members. I appreciate the opportunity, Doris. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. Thank you again. And thanks also to all my listeners. You are the reason I do this. You can find helpful information on my website, which is www.thesavvyentrepreneur.org. You'll find there all kinds of past episodes of the show, along with some blogs and tools and articles and all sorts of other free resources. So check it out. I would love to hear from you. My door is always open for comments or questions or suggestions. You have an issue you're working through. You want to be a guest or you know a great guest, or maybe you just want to shoot the breeze. Email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakesradio.org. You'll always get a response back from me, I promise. Be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central. But until then... I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.